Welcome to Investing Mastermind Podcast. I'm Sina Lundholt. And I'm Michelle Markey. In the last episode, we talked about how we could utilize AI to add companies or stocks that we want to invest in. We could add those to our wish list. And we wanted to dive deeper into this concept of a wish list. A wish list is basically a list, a parking lot, where you put all the stocks or the companies that you think you might want to invest in in the future, you add those companies to a list. And then when you have time, you will go into much more detail about the company and use your checklist that we talked about in a previous episode. Use your checklist to go through these companies and find out, is it something that you want to invest in? So instead of finding a stock and immediately investing in it, you park it on your wish list until you've studied it. Today, we wanted to talk a little bit more about how Michelle and I find stocks for our investing wish list. Michelle, do you want to start out by, you know, sharing some of the ideas that you have that how people could find stocks for their list? Yeah, like some of these could be companies that you either work for yourself, like when I was a teenager, I worked for Starbucks and then realized they were a publicly traded company. So you could be working for a company or you could be using their products and services every day. Like I enjoy going to Costco to buy warehouse goods of big bulk items. And so I also noticed that Costco is a publicly traded stock and there are other things that we're just naturally gravitating to, like you could be a tech whiz and be really fascinated by some of the big tech stocks that you feel like you really understand their business models. And maybe those naturally would be something that you would be interested in investing in, or also us in being big fangirls of Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. We've been learning about Berkshire Hathaway for many years and Berkshire Hathaway is also publicly traded. So you know, if you just think about the things that you um, run into in your everyday life through your interests and passions, that's one place to start. And, you know, I have other ideas of how I might add companies onto a wish list. But what are some of your ideas, Sina? No, I really liked your idea about a company you worked for in the past or right now. I definitely think that if I could buy stocks from the Lego Group, the company I used to work for. Now I'm a business owner of my own company, but I would definitely buy Lego stocks if they were available. So it's they do have stocks, but it's owned fully by the family and they're not selling their stocks. So, um, but definitely that's a very, very great idea company that you work for, or maybe someone you know that work for a company where they are really happy to work is a great place also, what you need to just remember is that it has to be publicly traded. Like I just mentioned, the Lego Group is not a publicly traded company, which means you can't buy stocks in it. And there are private companies or somewhat private companies where you can buy shares in the company or that you are granted shares if you are an employee of the business. So, uh, so just be mindful of that, that it's not all companies that are publicly traded companies. So another place I would look for for some inspiration is in my everyday life, right? So a product that I really enjoy to use or something 
you know, like it could be sports equipment or it could be my, you know, technology products or something like that. If there's something where I think this is a great user experience, now I'm into makeup and that kind of thing. So anything within that realm would be interesting for me to look at both retailers or producers of makeup and things like that. It, something that's in your interest or something that you buy a lot could also be places to look for publicly traded companies. And sometimes like I also source ideas from the Wall Street Journal when I read that occasionally. And like, for example, I came across Warren Buffett investing in a bunch of Japanese stocks. So even though I didn't think about Japanese stocks before, maybe I'll think about what Japanese stocks do I know about? And do I know enough about some of those industries that those companies are in to make a judgment or you know, we've probably encountered some Japanese type products before, like Sony and Nintendo and mm -hmm. some of those, like maybe we think, are these publicly traded? And if so, is it within my circle of competence? So sometimes I also learn about different stock ideas from reading about them in the Wall Street Journal or online or friends tell me about them. Like some of my friends in this investing group I chat with, they got really into bank stocks. So even though I'm not really competent to invest in bank stocks, they told me about some of them. And then, you know, maybe it, it's in the back, like a seed was planted. Maybe in the future, if I come to better understand bank stocks, maybe I could potentially invest in some or just be more aware of what's going on in the banking industry. But you you find out also from, you know, just word of mouth too. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, if you have any groups, investing groups that you're a member of, I'm not talking about necessarily Facebook. Of course, you could get inspired by Facebook groups, but make sure to put those companies on your wish list first. But, you know, if you know any investors that are Warren Buffett style investors that are sharing anything, put that on your wish list. You know, even when we went to the Berkshire Hathaway meeting, of course, there's a lot of talks about which companies people are looking at and I just saw a post on LinkedIn that inspired me to put a company on my wish list. It was a post that came up on my wall because Stig Broderson, who is a co-founder of the Investors Podcast Network and a great guy, he liked a post on LinkedIn about a company. And I was like, going to note that down <laughs> when Stig is liking something. Uh, it's definitely something I want to follow up on. So that could also be, you know, something within your circles of friends, but I really want you to be mindful of where that advice comes from. You know, if your neighbor mentions some Finnish moss company that they, or whatever, now that's just an example, right? But whatever they invested in, just make sure to put it on that list and then do your checklist work before you invest in the company. Don't invest in something just because your neighbor mentioned it. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, in a similar way, some of the super investors that we follow, they could also give you some ideas, but it doesn't mean that you just blindly copy them. Like, for example, I know Monish Pabrai invested in Brookfield Corporation, which was somewhat spun out of Brookfield Asset Management. And even though it's interesting, like it makes me wonder, you know, Monish hasn't been investing in a lot of American stocks, but why is he investing in this one? So it made me put it on my wish list of, you know, and you could form a wish list in many ways. You could write it down on paper. You could put it in your brokerage account list. Like you can form what they call a watch list in your brokerage account. So what I did was 
I took a bunch of companies and I'm actually pretty bad at checking on them. Like I, I might put them on this watch list and then I forget about them for months. So it's kind of funny that even though I put them on this list that maybe I'll check out and eventually I might circle back, but I haven't been the best at following up on these particular stocks that some are like more of a watch and some are more of a wish. You know, you, mm. you might differentiate like that too of oh, yeah. some stocks that you actually care about that you would want to invest in. Like, I definitely care about Costco. And if it ever comes down to a price that I would like to pay, I would love to invest in Costco. But Brookfield is more of just, it's it's on the periphery. Like, I don't know much about it. I know that they're wealth management type, you know, they're into an investing area and it would be interesting, but I don't know that much. So depending on how you feel strongly about certain companies, you have to gauge, you know, how much more attention you place because there's only so many hours in the day. And with a lot of stuff that we all have going on, we have to be careful how we spend our time when it comes to investing. Like we shouldn't just randomly learn about stuff. We should devote more of our time and energy to things that we realistically think would be worthwhile. And and so that's, that's a how great point. you can also cull your wish and watch list down from, you know, you might start out with hundreds of ideas, but then you distill it down into the, you know, 20 to 30 and then refine it even more ultimately to the few stocks if you are a Buffett style investor. So, you know, I like that distinction between wish list and watch list. And now that you mention it, I actually do the same. I have a wish list where I'm waiting (laughs) and then I have a watch list where I'm also guilty, just as you are, that there are some companies that ended up on that list that I'm actually might never get to. I'm just, you know, it was an idea that came from somewhere but it's not something where it's like, oh, I'm passionate about digging into this company. I use a spreadsheet, actually, and put all my ideas into a spreadsheet. And then as time goes by, I'll add some notes or, you know, different numbers or something onto that spreadsheet. And just, yeah. So some of them are parked there forever. And sometimes I do delete them from that list because I'm like, who are you kidding? You're never, ever going to look into something like this. It's just not something that I'm super passionate about, or there are certain industries where I'm more passionate than other industries, right? Even though I might know the business models of these companies, so they are in my circle of competence, but it's just not something that's good for me. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned Monish which is also a great idea. There's certain newsletters from investors that are Buffett-style investors. There are annual reports, like Matthew Peterson, who we talked to in a previous episode. He has his annual report where he he's very open about which companies he has invested in and definitely something that could be of inspiration, maybe some of those companies, and you could add to your wish list. So newsletters and other Buffett-style investor information is also a great source of inspiration for me. You know, you can keep tabs on what some of these super investors are invested in through their 13F filings that you can source from the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, or also on third-party websites to some extent. It's not always 100% accurate, but, you know, you you should double-check what you see on these third-party sites with the source file. So, for example, 
if you see what some of these super investors are invested on, invested in in Dataroma or also in Whale Wisdom, you can get some idea, but just cross-reference it because, for example, like I mentioned, Brookfield Asset Management and Brookfield Corp, they kind of spun out. So they became two different ticker symbols. And I was trying to figure out which one is Monish Prabhai still invested in? Is he invested in the original or the new one or both? You know, oh, yeah, like he likes so, those spin-offs. Yeah, like a, that gives you some ideas too of looking at certain kinds of companies and what what's really happening with the underlying company. So it gives you ideas, but you don't have to just be like, I can only invest in something that a super investor invests in. It doesn't mean that your world is cut off, but it it gives you some suggestion because if you think about it, like these are some of the best investors in the world that have multi-decade track records. So if they see an investment case, if you can also figure it out and understand it, it could be a potentially good idea because it, it in some ways they've already done some of the hard work. Like they found a great company and they, if you can piggyback on their hard work, it could be a good thing, but you shouldn't just, like we said, you shouldn't just blindly copy without knowing anything about what the stock is all about. Yeah. And we did dive very deep into these 13 if filings and 13 if reports in an episode. And we can link to that in the show notes so that you can go in and, and listen to that episode about these 13 F filings, because it's very interesting that you can actually see what some of these super investors are invested in. So one more thing that I want to also talk about are stock screeners. And a stock screener is sort of like a search machine. And there are many out there. I know Yahoo Finance have one. I'm sure there's a ton of stock screeners out there. My preferred screener is Finwiz. And I put in some different parameters into that stock screener. Like, for example, I don't like a company with a lot of debt. So I want to, I want to make sure that they only show me a list of companies in their search result that doesn't have a whole lot of debt. I also know that Warren Buffett has talked about return on equity in the past. So that's also a parameter I put in. There is something to look out for with the return on equity. So it's not something where I'm just falling in love with the company just because it's got a high return on equity, but I might put it on my wish list just to see, is it actually return on equity or is it debt, but because I have that debt parameter, I'm pretty sure that return on equity is not looking good because of debt. Yeah. But well, yeah, so also a parameter for return on invested capital, because yeah, the ROIC should incorporate the debt component. But it doesn't have that parameter. Oh, so that's, yeah, yeah that, see, those are, you're pointing out a little bit of a limitation of the, the screener is that it yes. can be useful, but you have to remember that sometimes a company can artificially look good with the return on equity looking high, exactly. but because it does not factor in some of the long-term debt, let's say, into that equation, whereas Correct. the return on invested capital would. So let's exactly. say you see a high ROE, but you might see a slightly lower ROIC because of a bigger debt load. So because it doesn't give you that answer of the ROIC, 
it's it's starting to be a clue, but then you have to do a little bit more homework just to figure out the rest. Exactly. And that's what I mean by, yeah, it'll end up on my list, but it's definitely something where I will have to look into it. Again, I also have the parameter of very low debt. So again, I think ROE is okay to only put, you know, those two in, in combination because then you're you know that it's it does the company does not have a whole lot of long-term debt at least so it's going to give you a result with some different companies but again don't just trust that list put it on your what did you call it again <laughs> the watch list the watch list that's right put it on your watch list and then make sure to go through your checklist to see is it really a good company is the management trustworthy and does it have a competitive advantage etc cetera, etc cetera. so um do you use stock screeners i mean i i think i sort of used to when i first participated in phil town's rule 1 and they had like this toolbox i used it sort of back then but i honestly haven't really felt super into stock screeners as as kind of useful as they could be but I just haven't really found myself needing to use it, but maybe if I got into smaller cap or mid cap stocks, maybe I would use it then because so far I've been mostly focused on larger cap stocks, which I can just as easily go into the 10 Ks and I prefer going into the annual reports or quarterly reports and getting out the specific details from the financial statements, plugging them into spreadsheets and doing my calculations that way. So mm -hmm. I haven't really needed screeners to look at that many new companies. So I've been kind of a little bit less expansive in my horizons. Like I've I've sort of been limited. But if I wanted to get into potentially um, better stock opportunities, instead of focusing on large caps, maybe if I focus on small caps, I might use a stock screener. And yeah, and that's where it's actually like FinWiz is also a little bit limited because you can search for a large cap all around the world however medium and small it won't show you results for many european countries for example so it's a little bit limited to also you know primarily showing american companies so something that i wish they had was a more you know diverse showing of companies around the world in some other markets than just usa especially for mid cap and small cap would be super interesting uh, and also um on a, a slightly separate tangent, if you just peruse online, like say you put in a company and then in Google and you might get a result, say from this site called Seeking Alpha that provides write-ups that some people who, they usually disclose what their interest in a stock is. Like either they say they're long or they have no position in it. And you could read their their feedback and you could try to assess how believable is this author and there's some maybe other explain sites. long sorry to interrupt like the uh if they're long on a position that means they own it like they they've already bought the position i know some people talk about shorting and long but they basically mean shorting means to sell or if you are short on a company you basically sold it or you are currently selling it if you are trying to actively short a company whereas if you're long on a company that means you've bought it you own a position for the foreseeable future for a while. So that's the quick little thing you can also check. And I think I heard about the Value Investors Club or like some kind of a website where there's some write-ups that if you're not yeah. actively contributing to it, you you can get access to 45-day-old yeah, articles. 
So there's also like everyday people or some of them are experienced investors who provide their write-ups on one of those sites as well. Yeah, you, yeah, it's like a members club and some of it is public and some of it is for members only. But yeah, it's definitely, you can read their thesis yeah. in there. Um, but what were you saying about uh, Seeking Alpha? You were, you know, saying something about... Yeah, just like how you can look at different authors' write-ups about companies. And then that can help you start forming some ideas about a company. Uh, like, say, you, you're you just curious about what people are saying of some company's performance. And then that could make you decide if you want to add it to your wish list or not. Yeah, I th I used to think Seeking Alpha was a really good site but now i think it's flooded with a lot of information that's not really valuable or people that are trying to convince you to invest in a company that they're invested in so that's something to really watch out for is that sometimes they can be really persuasive in their thesis and it's just something to to watch out for yeah so if you do that it would be good to look for not only the for case, but also the against case, like mm, gather, yeah. gather both kinds of arguments so that you have a well-rounded understanding of something and not just be Great like, point. yeah, not just find the ones that are all like AI is the best and NVIDIA and <laughs> nothing against NVIDIA. But like, if you only find the articles that affirm what you already believe, like let's say you bought into NVIDIA and you only look for articles that say NVIDIA is going to be the greatest, biggest ever, then you might be a little short-sighted in the, the cases against. Like what if the semiconductor industry goes through its next down cycle? So if you don't look at the, you know, the anti-cases, then you, you might not be as aware of when the semiconductor industry also goes through its down phase. So you, you know, you have to kind of prepare yourself for both sides. I kicked off this podcast by talking about AI because our last episode, which you definitely should go listen to, was about AI. Michelle, would you ever use AI to suggest a stock that you should invest in? Well, I, I wouldn't use it to like get a specific company to like, if it just spits out some magical company and it says like, invest in this one, I wouldn't just be like, okay, bye but I would just use it more like a screener, kind of like what you were saying with the uh, mm -hmm. criteria that you entered into FinWiz, like you provide it with criteria and it gives you suggestions that you then use your human brain to analyze and study and not just believe it on the first suggestion it gives you. Yeah, absolutely. Because it could be, even though, you know, you put your ROE and low debt, et cetera, whatever parameters you may have, even though you put that in, sometimes the results aren't correct. It has flawed results or incorrect results. So make sure to definitely check up on it. But I think that's, if you want to use AI, that's actually a good idea to put in some different criteria into the machine and see what it comes out with. Maybe there's something for your, you know, even putting in your circle of competence or something like that. And it would give you some results that you could put on your watch list. Yeah. And you can use it as a research tool. Like say you're interested in certain restaurant businesses and then you say, give me the competitors for this business. So you could use it and then you could figure out, is it a real competitor or not? Like say, if I say, give me the competitors to Domino's Pizza and it gives me Olive Garden, 
Do I really think Olive Garden is a direct competitor of, of Domino's Pizza? I don't know. Maybe it is. But as far as I remember, like not that I go to Olive Garden, but I didn't think Olive Garden sold pizza. So, you know, whereas I know but it Domino's, is it is sort of an Italian restaurant also for our European yeah. uh, listeners. I think it's I, I've actually never been there, but I think it's kind of Americanized Italian food. Yeah, yeah. But like, is Domino's considered normal Italian because they sell like wings and and yeah. pizza? So you have to it's compare. Not Italian pizza. <laughs> you have to uh, you have to really think like, is this a real competitor or is this just a distraction? So you can use it for research purposes and then critically think: Does it make sense or not? Yeah, and sometimes you know when it comes to competitors, even though it's a food business, that actually might not be the competitive advantage even though it's a restaurant you know oftentimes you know people have talked about mcdonald's being a real estate business because they have properties on every corner of you know some of the most busy intersections in the world so is it really a hamburger business or is it a real estate company you know there's discussions like that out there where the competitors it comes out with you know use your human brain to really think about the competitive ad advantage and not just something that's necessarily in the same sector. Like even with entertainment gaming companies, yeah, there's a lot of competitors, but it could also be movie theaters and all, all sorts of other entertainment streaming services, et cetera, that actually could be bigger competitors. Okay, should I play this game right now or should I somehow entertain myself with something different? So it might not even be in the same industry. So use your human brain to to think it all through. Sounds good. So with that, Sina, do you have any last thoughts about wish list and watch list? No, I think uh, we've been through it all. I hope this was valuable for you. Also, the concepts of watch lists and wish lists. And I hope that you're going to find a lot of awesome companies to to put on that list. With that, we'll see you next Tuesday. See you then. If you enjoyed the show and found the content informational, we would be super grateful if you would leave us a review and follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you automatically get new episodes in your feed. We publish a new show every Tuesday. The contents of the Investing Mastermind podcast are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. None of this is investing advice, and if you need help in your personal situation, please consult with a professional.